I want to read from the word this morning from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and verse 6. And by the way, this is the, uh, these are the foundational verses here of Handel's Messiah that was uh, first uh, written and, and sung in 1741. So we're looking at a little history here that comes right out of the word. And the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with ju uh, judgment and justice. From the time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We come into the sanctuary this morning and we thank you for the, folk, the fact that the presence of the Lord is with us. He is here. The mighty Holy Spirit of God will touch our hearts and, and speak into our lives and, and bring encouragement and hope and comfort and help. We thank you today, Father, that you have heard us. We thank you today that the things that we've been praying about oftentimes are answered, and we thank you for those answers this morning. So, Father, we pray that as we come into this, into this time of worship, let it be a worship of celebration. The Lord has come, and we thank you. Father, I pray that you will bless every person in this room. I pray that absolutely no person would be able to walk out of this place without knowing that God was here and, and that you desired to work in their life. And so, Father, we thank you this morning. Let the blessing of God flow like a mighty river through this congregation this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give your neighbors a great greeting this morning.
There are so many things happening in this Advent season and just prior to Christmas. And uh, we, uh, I just, I'd, I'd like to ask Lori and Jordan Peterson to come. And as they come, I want to kind of just share kind of a quick announcement with you. If you've uh, got a, uh, a student, a preschooler through sixth grade that is gonna be a part of the Christmas Eve program, and that's gonna probably in, be involve a lot of children, uh, we, we would like to, uh, Tiffany would like to, I'm not going to do it, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany is going to do it, and she kind of just wants to run through a little bit of the thing, some of the things that they're going to be doing on Christmas Eve, and it's important for those kids to stay behind, and it's important for the adults to kind of leave a little bit quicker than maybe normal. <laughs> I don't know how to put it any other way. But uh, anyway, they're going to have a bit of a practice session in here, so if you could help us out, that would really, uh, that would be a blessing. So anyway, Lori and Jordan Peterson, would you come? The Old Testament prophecy is Isaiah 9, 2, 3. The people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. The New Testament fulfillment is Luke 2, 8, 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger.
Amen. Thank you. Just uh, kind of a little bit of a follow-up on the, uh, as far as the uh, young, uh, young kids practicing this morning. Also keep in mind that on uh, next Sunday, we do not have Sunday school. We have a 10 a.m. church service. However, um, the kids are going to practice next Sunday uh, during, uh, during the normal Sunday school hours. So that's, a number of you will be here, obviously but they are going to need some practice. Oh. Okay, let me correct myself then, please. Uh, don't uh, bring your children here like at 845. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> we love them, but uh, you keep them. Uh, Bring them by about 10 o'clock, and, and we'll take care of the rest of it from there on. Thank you very much. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve, we need them here a little early. 5.15 would be great to get them here and all organized. There's a lot of excitement that evening, and, and uh, so it just takes a little time to kind of bring the organization to pass. So if you could help us out with those times, that would be great. Um, there are several of our people this morning that are missing and they, that's because they're over in Humboldt right now getting some things ready for the uh, uh, Jason Gray concert tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, we noticed there were some tour buses already there this morning when we left town at 7. And so there's a number of things that have to be done. That is going to be a tremendous, uh, tremendous evening. Uh, I last, the last I heard, there were close to 500 tickets sold. And we'd love to sell this thing out. Love to be able to post it sold out. And uh, so if you have not got a ticket, you better, uh, the door is open at six. I would recommend you get in front of that line somehow to get a ticket and everything like that. So anyway, that's gonna be a great evening. I pray that uh, God will use it in some special ways in people's lives and things like that. Uh, we're gonna receive the tithes and offerings in a moment, and I'm going to pray. Oftentimes we pray for different things, different people, different situations. Uh, and many of you have been praying for Monty Cunningham. Monty is, um, he's here this morning. It's good news. Monty's here this morning, and he's had a couple battles he's been dealing with and, and everything, but uh, just, uh, just real brief, and I... I, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but there were several things that was going on dealing with cancer, and I know we prayed for you at the hospital, Monty, and anointed you with oil and everything like that. Well, some good reports have come back, and, and now they have, the cancer that they thought had moved to two or three other areas of their body is not there anymore, and uh, they've got one little spot they're going to deal with. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good news. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for answering prayer. And thank you that each one of us can acquire the answers from God and each one of us can anticipate the healing and the hope for, that comes only from God. So, Father, we thank you for that. We ask you to bless uh, further and, and, and other people that we're praying for right now, too. We, we just pray that you are going to... Uh, 
that, that, that you're going to deal with their issues in a, in a very powerful, positive kind of way. I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 12. Beginning reading in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over, the, over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they were rejoicing with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house where the young child was Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country in another way. It's a great story. The parents of two children were driving their family to a Christmas gathering, and they passed by the Lutheran church in their town, and there was a manger scene in the yard. And the little five-year-old that was sitting in the back seat asked his dad, what, what is that, what does that mean? And dad said, well, that's Mary and Joseph and, and the baby Jesus there in the manger. And they went on a little bit farther, a couple, week, or a couple blocks later, and they passed by the Methodist church. And there was a scene of the wise men on their journey to, to uh, Bethle the Bethlehem manger. And again, the little boy asked the question, what is happening here? And this time, Mom replied and said, these are the wise men who are looking for the baby Jesus. The little boy thought for a moment, considered what his dad had said and what his mother had said. And then he said, well, they won't find him here. He's down at the other church. 
So we see Christmas through the eyes of a small child and how they perceive a number of things. In Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, we briefly meet with a band of travelers. These travelers have mystified and fascinated Bible students and Bible scholars for centuries as to who they are, where they came from, and what it meant. They're referred to as the Magi. And in my Bible, they're referred to as the wise men. You'll see both, both terms used. They seem to materialize virtually out of nowhere. Matthew gives practically no details at all about them, what country they came from, what they believed, or how they knew about the meaning of the star. They just showed up. They left their gifts, and they leave. And that was it. Unfortunately, many of the popular notions about the wise men or the magi uh, sometimes are a little bit misleading. We, we purposely sang a song today, We Three Kings of Orient Are. And I love that song. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to say, don't ever sing that song again. That is not what I'm saying. I should have you repeat that with me. But uh, I'm not saying that. But the Bible doesn't say they were kings. And there would be some question about the Orient part, except they did come from the East. But that's about all we know. They came looking for someone. They were very likely astronomers of their day, which would explain why they had noticed something unusual in the sky. Astronomy was a science even back in that day. And it had progressed quite a little bit, actually as people observed the different uh, celestial objects in the sky, the planets, the stars, all of these things. There's maps of these things that have been drawn that we've found uh, via history and all of this. This would not be unusual because the idea was widespread that heavenly signs such as a star oftentimes mark the birth or sometimes the death of a, of a great person such as a king. And uh, so whatever it was, they dropped everything and they began to follow the star. I want you to take a moment here and when you see something like this, it's my tendency to take a look at this and say, is there a spiritual significance in this? What can I draw from this particular activity of them dropping everything that they were doing and organizing this entourage and traveling no doubt hundreds of miles to a place that they had no idea where they were going. They were simply following a star and when they arrived they were looking for Jesus. Now of course they didn't know his name was Jesus but they were looking for a king and they found a king. I want us to check out the lesson material here just for a moment before we leave this particular moment here, there's conviction that something was happening and, and they com, uh, commenced their journey, hopefully, uh, hopefully to find this, uh, this special king, what was happening. It was a journey of faith. You know, folks, God often puts before us opportunity. Opportunity 
is something that it takes a willingness to recognize it and then a willingness to do something about it. You and I, every one of us in here have had opportunity presented to us in our life. And it's important that we recognize that as an opportunity, it's important for us to say, I need to do something about it. And so they did something about it, the opportunity that was before them. One of the things that surprises me as I read this passage, uh, early on in the passage here in chapter 2, and it's, um, and it's right in the first couple of verses, when they got to Jerusalem, they decided, I, it almost looks like a detour, if you will, and they wanted to check in with Herod the king. They wanted to talk to Herod here and ask for directions. Now, it's interesting that they had been following a star for no doubt hundreds of miles, then all of a sudden, they're within a few miles of Bethlehem, and they ask Herod, where's this new king? More specifically, they ask Herod, where is this new king of the Jews? And I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. That was one of the most risky things they could have said. Because Caesar appointed Herod king of the Jews. Now what in the world is happening here? There's a new king around. You've got to understand something about Herod. Herod, Herod is totally ruthless. He is unbelievably paranoid. He feared literally everything that was around him. We know from history that he killed his wife and he killed his family because he thought they were going to try to take over his throne. That's how ruthless this guy was. So you can imagine when the Bible says here um, in verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Let me tell you something, when Herod got troubled, things started happening and it was always bad. The whole town was upset about this situation. Frightened. He hated everybody. And so when the Bible says the whole city of Jerusalem is disturbed, that's exactly what happened. They had really good reason for that. And we see these wise men. And he brought them in privately and secretly and said, I'd like to know where this uh, new king is located. So when you find him, come back, tell me. Herod had no interest in worshiping that new king. He just wanted to kill him. You know, if you're like me, I think the more disturbing thing here, and not that Herod isn't disturbing enough, but it was the Pharisees who were the masters of the law. And even many of the common people knew exactly where the Messiah was going to be born. It was common knowledge. The scribes even said to uh, said to King Herod in, uh, in verse 5, He's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written, O Bethlehem, out of the land of Judah, are by no means the least of the rulers. In other words, they knew it. They, uh, they readily told Herod, this is where this new king's going to be. He's going to be in Bethlehem. Everybody knew, and now Herod knew. And I don't believe for a moment he was going to put up with somebody marching into his city looking for a new king of the Jews, not on his watch. 
The Bible says in verse 7, after he secretly questioned these wise men, he sent them out, search diligently, let me know where they're at. The next step is also very important because in verse 11, the Bible says this, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. There's so much that's loaded into that, but the important part of it is, these people who had come from a distant land, had traveled, no doubt, hundreds of miles, came to a place in a, in a place where Jesus was as a baby, and they fell down and they worshipped him, recognizing him as a king, recognizing him as a ruler, recognizing him as a monarch that they wanted to worship. They fell down and they worshipped him. It's significant. God, I believe, had opened their eyes. God does that, you know. God does that a lot. God opened their eyes to truth. God opened their eyes to their reality and their needs. God opened their eyes, and in their spirit and in their life, they responded to Christ by worshiping him. That was the response. <clears throat> I think these magi represent a lot of different people. People of the world who come to know Jesus and bow themselves and worship him and live for him, even though many of the Jews rejected him. I was reading this week a book called Expository Thoughts on, the New, uh, on, on Matthew by J.C. Ryle. And he says this, and I'm quoting now. The Lord Jesus has many hidden ones. Hidden ones. Like these wise men. Their history on earth may be as little known as Melchizedek or Job. But their names are in the book of life. And they will be found with Christ at his appearing. We must not look around earth and hastily say, all is barren. The grace of God is not tied to places or families. The Holy Spirit can lead people to Christ without the help of any outward means. Men may be born in the darkest places of the earth like these wise men. And like them, they may come into the light of salvation. There are some traveling to heaven at this very moment whom the church and the world know nothing, but Christ loves them, they love the church. <coughs> I don't think there's a day go by, goes by <coughs> without me thinking about and praying about believers in North Korea. You wouldn't dare do this in North Korea. First of all, you'd probably be executed, or perhaps even worse, <coughs> perhaps even worse, you would be imprisoned to hard labor for years upon years upon years, in which you would likely die. And yet there are believers in that dark country. In the midst of in the midst of all that is virtually bad, 
There are people who love Christ. We don't know their names. They will never appear on anybody's screen or standing in front of anybody's church. And yet they will stand at the throne of God <clears throat> because they believe. And they followed the one like these wise men. And at some point in their life, they fell down and they worshiped him. I think about that. I think about the amazing liberties we have <coughs> and all that God lets us do. These wise men presented to Jesus three very costly gifts. Gold, which represented the wealth and the power of a king. The Bible says they presented him frankincense, and frankincense would be something that would be used in the temple worship. And they presented him myrrh. Myrrh was a, a substance that was made from the leaves of what is called the cis rose and would be used to prepare the body for a funeral. These were given to Jesus. And after a, such a long journey, can you imagine what they thought? <clears throat> Put yourself in these guys' uh, shoes for a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. What would they think? <clears throat> this guy didn't look like a king. He's a baby in a manger. He, uh, he doesn't command an army. He doesn't have a scepter in his hand. <clears throat> he doesn't, uh, he can't walk. And he can't talk. But this was a king. This was a king. <clears throat> to the Magi, he was the king and he poses more royalty, if you will, lying there in this crib than Herod did in his palace. This was the king. So what happened after they saw Jesus? Have you ever thought about this? What happened to these wise men? After they met Jesus, they gave him his gifts. Do you know what they did? They went home. <laughs> they went home. And they went a different way to go back home. I think of, uh, I think of the uh, Gadarene demonic person that Jesus rescued from the, the demon possession that racked this man's life and all of the horrible things that was a part of his life. After Jesus delivered this man, this man came to Christ, totally transformed. He asked Jesus, what do I do? Go back home. Tell people. The woman at the well, what did she do? She went back home and told people. And that's our job, isn't it? To tell people. The Bible says what's notable about their return home is that they did not obey Herod. They went a different way. The Bible simply says they had been warned in a dream. Supernaturally, God was speaking to these people's lives and into their hearts. Supernaturally, he said, you're not going there, you're going a different way. And they went a different way. Let's understand something. These weren't just three guys out here on camels. First of all, they probably weren't on camels on something else, probably horses, 
But these three, these, these three magi, these wise men, also had an entourage with them. They were traveling in Roman territory. <clears throat> they didn't travel, just three guys out here wandering through the desert. Without a question, they have quite an entourage. It was a regal, royal kind of a thing. You know, when they showed up in Jerusalem, people took notice. That was something. And they traveled back, the Bible says, a different way, warned by God in a, tree, in a dream. I believe there was a spiritual sense here that they were changed, their lives were changed. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is what was happening in their lives. I know it's a familiar saying, but wise men still seek God. Wise men still seek him. I think in this world there are basically two kinds of people. One group is a, are, would be, I would call them a group of fools. The next group is a group of wise people. Wise people. Herod was a fool. And overtly, outright rejects Jesus. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. In fact, he wanted to kill him. The Jewish leaders were fools of a different type. They didn't necessarily at this point hate Jesus. They just didn't care. I don't care about him. They ignored him. They were so wrapped up in themselves to even bother to go and see. And so many are like that today. The Magi, the wise men, were so different. It was not convenient for them to travel a long distance to come and see Jesus, a person that they didn't really even know, had no understanding, no knowledge. It wasn't convenient, but it was a sacrifice, and they came. And that brings the message to us this morning. Janet, could you come back, please? The message is important to us this morning because it speaks to us about who is in first place in our life. I would hate to think that anybody would be a fool in this congregation this morning. Whether you're a guest with us or whether you've been here many, many times, <clears throat> I, I would hate to think that somebody would be sitting in here and say, I ignore Christ. I can't believe somebody say, I hate him. I just ignore him. I haven't got time. I'll do it later, but not right now. I just believe that, that we should not be like the Pharisees. We're so caught up in ourselves, so caught up in what we do and all of these things that we just simply, I don't have time for Maybe later. Maybe some other time. But I'm a busy person. And I don't have time. There's no better time. If you're saying that this morning, you'll never find a time that is better than right now. This is a great time. A great time to bow yourself before God and say, I worship him. I worship him. I respond to him, I receive him.
So let's pray together, shall we? Father, I thank you this morning. The simplicities of the stories of Christmas, they bring to us incredibly powerful truths. Wise men, we know so little about them, and yet they paint for us a picture of a loving God, a God who speaks into people's lives. Father, speak into somebody's life this morning. Speak into somebody's heart. Open their mind to be able to respond and say, Jesus, I want you in my life, not just a part of my life. I want you to take charge of my life, control my life. I want to deal with my sin this morning. I've got a sin problem. I want forgiveness. And so, Father, I pray that somebody today is going to be so conscious of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to truly respond with all of their heart. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Forgive my sin. I repent of it, not just feeling sorry, but I'm going to head in a different direction. I'm leaving that old life behind, and I go and make all things new. Father, I ask Christ to be the Savior and Lord of my life. I receive him as my Savior. I believe Jesus died for me, that he rose from the dead. I accept him as my Savior this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.